Hey, this is Sebastian the Jet. You are listening to Soccer Subs. This is Jordan Stewart, and you're listening to Soccer Sub. Go listen. Hey, this is Rob Stone from Fox Sports. You are listening to the Soccer Subs Podcast. The Soccer Subs Podcast. It's game on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast. Episode 55. My name is Ronnie. I'm joined here with my three Soccer Subs co-hosts, Christian Voss and Eric. Uh, fellas, how are you guys doing? We're already halfway through our 50s. I can't believe we're already on episode 55. How are you guys doing? How's your week been so far? A wake-up call for all the Real Madrid fans. The Europa League merchants beat 4-0 at the Bernabeu against Real Madrid. Well, I'm so excited for this episode. I know all of us here can't wait to speak on it. Episode 55. Welcome to the Soccer Soft Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us today. Happy to have everyone here again. I'm excited to talk a bunch of MLS usl a little bit of european action that we had over the week and just looking forward to the jam-packed episode episode 55 guys midway through our 50s i would never believe we'd be able to say that so for all our soccer subs fans out there it's you know it's true you know the much thought endangered species of barcelona fans you know they're not so endangered as we thought you know i mean of course we would have loved to have a few you know the past couple of classicals i believe about i could be wrong possibly six but no, listen, listen, we have a star-studded cast. We have some Barcelona fans. You know, you know. I listen, the more the merrier, right? You know, it's been a while. I love to have people over. It's It's been amazing. And luckily, Zoom has this nice function where it's speaker only. So Soccer Subs, episode 55. Uh, that's right, Eric. Well, for the soccer fans, we got a big show coming up for you guys today. We got a special guest joining us in just a few minutes, defender for Austin FC, a product out of St. Louis University. He wears number 15 in the back line. We got the one and only Mr. Kip Keller joining us in just a few minutes. Really excited to talk to Kip on just uh, his career, his arrival to Austin FC, and talk much more on soccer. And it's a special episode. We're joined here by one of the members of the Friendly Foes, one of our good friends. His name is Nico, joining us all the way down from Orlando, Florida. Nico, man, let me just throw it to you. Thank you so much for being on. If you don't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and the Friendly Foes out there. <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Yeah, joining you guys live from Orlando, Florida here. As you said, part of the Friendly Foes podcast, my brother and I, uh, we host uh, the podcast. Eric, you're not alone. My brother is a Real Madrid fan. Unfortunately, he couldn't be here because he's still crying. So he hasn't recovered properly yet. So, but I, we'll get there. We'll get there. He's still going through therapy and everything. But for those of you who don't know, I myself, I'm a, I'm a Barcelona fan. So it's a pretty heated rivalry here in the family. But it's fun, you know, we make, we make it fun and it's a good time. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Join all the sucker subs. It's very exciting. Appreciate it, Nico. And uh, we want to just intro one other guest of ours. I'm proud to say he's one of my good friends. I've known him for over 15 years. My boy, Sid. Sid, man, pleasure to have you back on. Just tell the fans a little bit about yourself and how you been, man. Hey, guys, how things have changed since the last time I was in this episode, man. Last time we were talking about Barcelona hitting rock bottom. They were getting ready to fire Ronald Koeman, or we Barca fans hoped so. And um, we were in that process of switching over to Xavi. Some people thought that he'd be the next Lampard or that he'd be the next Pirlo. But no, he's done an incredible job and all Barca fans are ecstatic right now. I'm standing. I'm standing and clapping. This is for you, Xavi. You prove us all wrong. Said, thank you so much for being on with us, man. Yeah, we'll get to you in just a few minutes. We definitely got to talk at Clasico. I mean, just to get to some soccer news real quick. Of course, the biggest game from this past week, FC Barcelona beating Real Madrid 4-0. The biggest game out there, El Clasico. Goals by Obama Yang, Ronald Arujo, Ferran Torres. 
What a game. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. Also, we got the Champions League, a round of eight finally set up. We got Chelsea Madrid, Villarreal Bayern, Benfica Liverpool, and Man City Atletico Madrid. We'll talk a little bit of Champions League coming up as well. And on the MLS side of things, just as a quick notable mention, Boston Christian's New York Red Bulls tying 1-1 against the Columbus Crew, and my own very own NYCFC losing to the Philadelphia Union 2-0. But what a heck of a game. I'm glad we were over there able to cover the game at Yankee Stadium. Thank you to NYCFC for allowing us to be pitched and yeah, we felt the love. Thank you so much again over there. And I mean, fellas, we're here for a reason. Before we get to, you know, of course, our big guest, Kip Keller, we got to talk about Clasico. Real Madrid got thrashed 4-0. Obviously, a lot of things to get into about that. I want to start off with my boy, Eric, real quick. He's the only one on my side, Real Madrid side. If you could just throw to you real quick, man, what do you think went wrong for Real Madrid in this game? And maybe some things that FC Barcelona did right. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm sorry. I still have the league table in front of me. Listen, I mean, hey, is it a tough pill to swallow? Of course. Losing to your rival is always a tough game. If anything, you know, I, I welcome losses like this. You know, we lost to PSG. What happened the next leg? You know, uh, if anything, losses pretty much awaken teams. You know, this loss in it of itself showed Ancelotti what works and what doesn't work. I quite honestly do not expect Ancelotti to be here next season. I mean, he played a false nine with Modric at forward. I'm pretty sure every Real Madrid fan was had their arms up like, you know, why is this guy doing this? I mean, you have Jovic, who he clearly doesn't trust, who signed for a record, what, 60 mil from Bundesliga? Not starting, not getting any game time there. I mean, there's nothing much to be said aside from, yeah, we got dominated. And if anything, you know, Madrid, two things need to happen. They need to get fullbacks. Clearly, Carvajal way past his best. We need a right back. Left back, Mendy is amazing when fit. However, how often does he get fit is, is a question because he seems to always be injured. The midfield definitely needs a re- rejuvenation. You know, I hear talks of the Frenchman from AC Monaco, Tukunemi, something like that. And I mean, we're getting Mbappe. Listen, I, we're top of the table, 12 points ahead. We're getting Mbappe. I mean, listen, whatever. It's 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 a loss. It's bittersweet. I mean, listen, match day 38. Who's going to have the parade? That's all that matters. Well, listen, I, you did ask me about Barcelona. I can't just simply just skip over that. You know, I mean, what's the old saying? I, I believe it's every dog has its day. And I mean, I think that applies here, man. I mean, you know. Barcelona, congrats. You know, you had a, an amazing victory, and it's even more pressing that it's against a direct rival, obviously, all four in their own home of an amazing win. Kudos to Barcelona. Now, am I going to sit here and tell you that Xavi is amongst the greats, or is he still a good fit? Of course not. I'm not going to say that. Listen, when you think of European elites, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, automatic top four. To think that your club, to think that Barcelona would fall outside of that top four is just ridiculous. And whoever didn't expect them to be top four this season, again, it's just ridiculous. Honestly, top four is the bare minimum expectation with or without Xavi, with or without these signings. Is that one accomplishment? Not necessarily, not in my eyes. Secondly, I'm not going to sit here and coddle the Barcelona and Xavi fan base. Why? Because you know who else was a great manager prior to anything? Pochettino was a great manager. And to many, Pochettino at Spurs was a great manager. And he had no trophies to show for it. Xavi, he looks like a great manager. Doesn't have any silverware to prove anything. Oh, but he brought Barcelona back from 16th, 8th place. How many managers do we see from Premier League join these bottom tier sides and have them escape relegation? You know, La Liga has ridiculous rules about, oh, if you have injuries, you can sign from a direct teammate. I mean, do we remember the whole breakaway situation? This La Liga caters to these major side so it's like am i gonna sit here and say you know oh shabby's already great no i'm not gonna say that and i'm sorry you know that might not be the best opinion for some but that's my opinion but listen congrats to barcelona top three i'm happy you know that if anything that brings up the rivalry you know head and head that's that's what it's all about right if classico is just two amazing sides but yeah match day 38 come back to me yeah no i think uh, obviously the game was amazing it i think it exceeded all expectations from any any sort of barcelona fan i i mean i wasn't expecting them to play the way that they did coming into the game i definitely thought that it was going to be a bit of a closer game but in reality it was it was a complete thrashing and to be honest real madrid should be looking into putting a statue of Tiba Courtois outside because if it wasn't for him it would have been 8-0 easily easily 8-0 and it's I mean it's not something where we're not used to right uh this we've we've come into our training ground at over at Santiago Bernabeu a couple times and you know we've won like 62 we've won four nail before so this is not something we're you know unfamiliar to yeah like it's been a tough couple of years 
for us. Obviously, we've we've had a, a tough couple of years, and yeah, you know, Eric is right. Like we we should be qualifying for the the UCL. We should be still in the UCL, but unfortunately, like the past couple of years have been rough. So just seeing Xavi, like yeah, Xavi's still unproven. That's fine. Like I, I'm I'm cool with that, but I still think that he is the the main candidate. I think there's nobody else out there who can take this team to where they need to be. I mean, Guardiola, whenever he first came on, he was unproven. And the first couple games he was on, people were like, he's not the guy. He went on to win six trophies in, in his first season. So not, I'm not saying that Xavi's going to do that, but I'm just saying that people are sometimes a little bit too quick to judge. And I think we need to give them a little bit more time. And we have been able to see what Xavi can do. I mean, not only from... And on the field, but also off the field, the way that Gerard Piquet has been playing has been way better than he has been in the past few years. Busi Busquets, who has been heavily, heavily criticized throughout the past couple of years, he's a crucial piece in the midfield. Same thing with De Jong. I mean, we got our form back in scoring. We were That's one thing we were missing whenever we lost Messi, right? Which is why we dropped all the way down to eighth place because we didn't have a goal scorer. We didn't have Messi anymore. And we just didn't have any, like, we didn't have a system. We did, Like you could tell the culture within the dressing room, it just wasn't there. Like the players just, they weren't there. Now Xavi has brought in players that have helped in that. One of them being Danny Alves, which his signing was questioned by a lot, including myself. I was like, why are we bringing on Danny Alves? But the main reason is to help in the dressing room, to help in the dressing room, because somebody like that with that type of attitude and enthusiasm is needed in the dressing room. And whenever you have a good dressing room that has good morale, that is locked in, willing to essentially die for, for one another, that's what's important. And that's what Xavi has brought into this team. That's what Danny Alves has brought. And you can tell that the team the morale is high. Clearly, we went into Real Madrid and beat them 4 0. And we've gone to Atletico. We scored four. We went to Napoli. We scored four. We scored four against Valencia. We scored four against Real Madrid. So, like, we're getting back into the groove of things of, of scoring and to play, and not only scoring, but just playing well, which is what Barcelona has always been known for. So, it's really, it, it was very fun and very exciting to see them do all that. Is there still a lot of, like a, pretty big hill to climb yeah like obviously like you know we got eric up there with the with the league standings up yeah you know they're still in first place they're still 12 points behind you know that's it's it's a reality of the situation but it's something to to be happy about that we we went to to the Bernabeu and we did what we had to do and we're starting to put the fear in some teams man because barcelona's back you know xavi has brought us back and i, I want you to tell everybody that we back up Hey, man, I don't even know where to start. Xavi deserves all the credit. I don't know if you guys been following Xavi's last two months. It's been incredible. And any player that he that he starts performs, whether it's Gabi, whether it's the young, whether it's the other, the young, Luke, the young, whether it's anyone he puts in there and they perform well. And that players' values go up. You know, when you play attractive football, when you believe in the Barca DNA, hey, Real Madrid has their DNA. You know, they have that belief that they're going to win. They don't care how they win. That's the major difference between Barcelona fans and Madrid fans. You don't care how you win, whether it's a Benzema, you know, pressuring Donnarumma and hustling to get that goal and get it started. Real Madrid, they deserve the credit because they, they have that belief. But we believe in something else. We believe in dominating. I don't know when is the last time, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, in the last 15 years where Real Madrid has totally dominated Barcelona. Like we have time after time after time from Pep Guardiola's 6-2 to Luis Enrique's 4-0 or 5-0. I can't, I can't remember you know, Johan Cruyff had a manita as well. You know, it's a shame that Barcelona didn't score more goals because I believe that an six, seven or eight nil was totally possible. And that would have erased the two eight, that Bayern thrashing. People would have forgotten about that had we beaten Real Madrid that way. And that, that would have caused tremendous problems. Maybe Mbappe would have had second thoughts about going to Real Madrid or any other player at that. So that's the only takeaway, only the bad thing from this game. The rest was was beautiful. It was just a total spanking. Ancelotti didn't know what he was doing. The players didn't know what hit him. From Araujo, from Piquet, just playing more direct balls to the wingers. 
just the high press, Frankie the Young collecting those balls, distributing them. It was just a tactical, physical, a- any face of the game that you think of, Barcelona dominated them. And we've done it many times. Yeah, this is a game where Barcelona is going to, it's it's like a fun, foundational game. That 6-2, that Pep uh, Guardiola's 6-2 beating at Camp Nou that jump-started that project. It, it feels different around, you know. Real Madrid were, after the, the Super Cup, 3-2 and the semifinal of the Super Cup where Real Madrid beat Barcelona. You know, Barca fans were really happy about that game because we showed that we can compete and we showed that we could play well. And um, Real Madrid fans, they don't get that. They don't get um, what, it, what it means to play well. The only thing that they care about is winning, and that's fine. I respect that. But, you know, we Barca fans, we're, we're built different. And in that game, we saw what we can accomplish, right? And we were so, I was ecstatic. Not about losing. I, I wish they'd won that game, but I knew what was to come. And now this, it's, it just feels different. Um, it feels like whenever you play well, whenever you dominate, whenever you play pretty, players, you know, they notice this. You think that Erlen Haaland, you think that any of the top players, they're not taking notes and they're, they're seeing this project. They're seeing that this is going somewhere. You know, we might be in the Europa League right now. We can't change the past. But going into next, next year, I agree with Nico. You know, we are instilling fear in teams, you know. Teams don't know what to do. Do they ha- uh, press high against us? You know, we have Pika sending long balls and breaking up that, that press. What do you do? You sit back against us? No. I mean, we, we have great players like Pedri sending through balls. We're, we have wingers. We have Dembele playing out of his mind. We have Ferran Torres sacrificing himself, although he's missing, missing some shots. But what he does for the team is tremendous. The high press, I love it. We, we got so many easy balls. And, you know, we're right there, three quarters of the, of the field, just to put a through pass in and score goals. I, I love um, Obama Young celebration, by the way, the Dragon Ball Z Super Saiyan celebration. That was the icing on the cake. Great points for everyone. I mean, I, I don't know which one to pick to start, but I did want to ask you, you guys can jump in because is this a different Barca because of Xavi or is this a different Barca because of the players? I mean, Ferran Torres and Aubameyang seem like they've been playing since childhood and they connected so well. So, I, I, Nico, I see, I see you wanted to say something. I wanted to ask you that first because this is just too impressive. No, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, right? I think there, like a lot of people I see arguing like on Twitter or social media saying like, oh, like if, you know, if Ronald Koeman had these type of players, like maybe he, he would have also been able to do the same thing. And like, I think at the end of the day, it's hindsight is 2020. And like, it's very easy to say like, oh yeah, he could have done the same thing or, or whatever. But I, I, I think like, yeah, like granted, yeah, had Koeman had these players, could he have done a little bit better? Yeah. He probably could have. But however, again, from back to what I was saying, like the, the confidence that Xavi has stilled in these players and the confidence that they have in him and the respect that they have in him. I think it's a little bit more of like what Xavi has been able to do with the dressing room and uplift the morale and the confidence in one of the in every one of the players. Like Obama hadn't played in however many months. Like he was essentially like finished at Arsenal, right? And he's over here scoring nine goals in eight games. So Dembele, like, he was about to leave in January. And Xavi was essentially the one, like, no, like, if we're going to keep him, he needs to play. And he's been playing, and he's he has, like, eight assists in the last five games, something like that, or five assists in the last games. I think I got it backwards. But he, he's he's playing well. Obama Yang's playing well. Like I said, everybody else is playing amazing. So I think it's more of the fact that what Xavi has been able to do with the squad has, in my opinion, been very impressive because he doesn't have Messi. Like he doesn't, he, he doesn't have Messi anymore. Like Coleman had Messi in his first year. Xavi doesn't have Messi. He doesn't have that. So to be able to do what he's doing and to go again, and especially to the Bernabeu, to the league leaders, a Europa League team and, and beat them the way that, that we did, I think it's, it shows a lot to what Xavi can do. 
and I agree because one of the things that he has at least proven this time is that he can have player management. And that's a great point because Obama Young came from a really bad place. He was coming late on practices. He wasn't wanted by his coach. And then he takes him in and says, look, we got a place for you. It's like the misfits, right? And everybody has been able to come together. And I like that. that I didn't think of it like that before, but Danny Elvis does help kind of build chemistry in the locker room. So that's, that's essential that I didn't think of. But in another point as well, to Sid's idea of playing style, I'm really surprised. I said that on the last time that we had, uh, that we were talking Barca, is how direct Xavi's been playing. I mean, those pinging the balls to the forwards, to Ferran Torres or to Aubameyang or to Dembele. And these guys are a complete different team. So it's it's not only the tiki-taka, which they can do and they can do really well, especially when they were four up, but now you can't really just sit back or pressure them. Uh, you got to pick your times when you're playing against this Barcelona. And look, not to move away from what happened in this game, but Galatasaray sit back a little bit way too much. So that's why we probably didn't see too much of a flow, which is always hard. But I like what I'm seeing. It's a more modern style of football. And I think that the players probably do help playing this style because if he didn't have Aubameyang, Barcelona really, really spent a lot of time struggling to find the back of the net. Depay, yes, he hasn't been performing as, as he was expected to. He's an okay player, but you can't expect goals like Aubameyang has. Uh, Brathwaite, I've been waiting since he wanted the number 10 jersey, right? When you have these type of high caliber players, it just helps your team, your playing style flow better. So I, I do give him credit for mixing both of these things, like the player management, the style is something that is really good for Barcelona and they continue to build. And to Eric's point, which I do agree, eventually he's going to have to lift a trophy in order to prove us all wrong because Ole was second place with Manchester United. <laughs> and he always got it at the end of the stick. He always was hated. Vaz was one of the biggest critics of Ole. So we don't want it to repeat that story to repeat itself again, Xavi, which I, I don't think he it would. He did already sign uh, the, the player from AC Milan and a fantastic player. And he was called because of Xavi. So he, you can tell he has a way to connect with players. Now, one of the things that I do have to mention, Ronnie, I mean, you're a Real Madrid fan. How important is Benzema for this team? I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you think about Madrid's midfield for the last six, seven years, the heartbeat of that midfield is Modric. Why you would play him so up high the pitch, I'm not 100% too sure. You know what? I think to this day, you can ask a bunch of Madrid fans as to why he made that decision. And you got me beat there. Listen, I have no idea as to why he decided to run that formation. I'd rather, listen, I'd rather play Mariano at striker. I mean, come on. Give the guy a chance or give Jovic a chance. And honestly, you got me there. Now, as far as your other question as how important Benzema is to this Real Madrid side, hugely important. Honestly, he gets your goals. You know, it's, he's very difficult to push off the ball. He's, I mean, you you saw it in, in UCL, how important he was. He does exactly. that. He's one of the hardest workers. If you think about Real Madrid, you think about goal scorers. He's one of the hardest workers. He's always pressing. He's always pushing. He's always looking for the open goal for, you know, I mean, you saw it against Donnarumma. He was, he's always pushing to score that goal. And he doesn't really care if it's pretty, if it's dirty, it doesn't matter. You got to score that goal. And those are the type of players that you need in your team, honestly. Um, a leader, one of the senior players in Madrid. So, I mean, not only from his goal scoring abilities, from his leadership as well. But um, it's all good, you know, Mbappe next season. Mbappe 2022, 2023, doesn't matter. I'm just going to say that I think for myself, just jumping in real quick, I think FC Barcelona just on this game looked like the better team. They just looked like they wanted it more, hungrier. Uh, they always seem to step ahead. And I mean, I don't want to play what ifs, but even with Benzema, I don't know to say it, was, it, would have been, it would have still been 4-0, but I think probably still resulted in a loss just from the way the midfield and uh, Barca's defense as well. But all right, guys. And just before we get to Kip Keller, I mean, we got to talk Champions League real quick. We got the last round of eight, Chelsea, Real Madrid, Villarreal, Bayern, Benfica, Liverpool, Man City, Atletico Madrid. I mean, I just want to ask you guys, which matchup are you most excited to see? And just maybe your top pick right now, who's probably taking it all. Let me just throw it to my boy, Sid, real quick again. Sid, which matchup are you looking forward to the most? And who's probably your pick to win it all for the Champions League? Hey, man. So um, I always support Pep. I always like to see um, what he's doing, what type of uh, new tactics he's developing. I'd like to see him lift the trophy with a different team than, than Barcelona. Because Absolutely. we're taking it next year. So Absolutely. I know Man City made it to the, to the final last year. So, Nico, let me throw to you, man. Which matchup are you most excited to see for, for the Champions League? And who's your prediction right now to probably take it off for the Champions League? 
And yeah, I mean, each matchup is good, man. It's tough. It's tough to pick which one. Obviously, like I think Man City and Atletico is going to be a tough one because I don't know why. But in Champions League night, Simeone, like just he knows how to get the best of his opponents, and we've seen Guardiola over and over again just overthink it. So I'm curious to see kind of like what's going to happen in that particular game. I'm also curious in, in the Real Madrid Chelsea. Obviously, Chelsea has been going through a lot of struggles. Can Real Madrid? Can they do what they did against PSG? Can they recover from from what they did? Uh, what happened against Barcelona? Will they have Benzema? I, and that one's going to be uh, an interesting game as well. As far as like who do I think is going to take it all? I think it's between Man City or Liverpool. I think those are the two, the biggest powerhouses in the world right now. They're not only competing for the Champions League, they're going up against each other in the FA Cup. Their one point ball, you know, separates them in the Premier League. And I mean, it's, it's between one of them. Like, like Sid, I always support uh, Guardiola, but I also got to support my my homeboy, Luis Diaz, over at Liverpool, man. So I would be happy if Luis Diaz and, and Liverpool lift that trophy again. That would be amazing for Colombia. So I'm going to start with my prediction because Nico brought up a great point. Liverpool and Man City are going head-to-head in numerous competitions. One point separates them from the league standings for first place in the Prem. And I think because of the fact that they have so many competitions to focus on, it's going to be a clear pathway for a team like Bayern Munich or even Real Madrid, I think, to just take this UCL title. I'm just going for Bayern. I don't know. I just feel like they already have the Bundesliga security. You know, it's like every year you don't got to worry about them winning that. So... I think they compete with like a second string squad during the league play and put all their eggs on the Champions League basket because, you know, it's kind of crazy that after, you know, the whole Pep saga, it would just be funny to see a, maybe a Man City Bayern final and just have some salt rubbed in the wounds for Pep. Sorry, guys. You know, just it's insane that he has yet to win a Champions League outside of Barca. So I think it would just be a funny storyline to follow. But I think Bayern takes it all. But the match that I want to focus on or that intrigued me the most of these quarterfinals is a pretty closely contested Chelsea and Real Madrid game. Thibaut Courtois always stands on top of his head for Madrid, going up against his former team, and got to show love to my boy Pulley. Pulisic always got to show up, you know? he's He tends to slack during uh, more of the league play, but... Anytime he's in Champions League or FA Cup, he just turns it up. So I think that's going to be a really intriguing uh, two-legged affair. And just to uh, apologize to some of the Barca fans, because I want to just go back to the whole Barca-Real Madrid uh, discussion that we were having, because it's just insane how just a few months can change the squad entirely. Like, Usman Dembele had one foot on a banana peel and the other foot out the door. You know, so it just... It's insane what Javi's been able to do to try to motivate him and get him playing at his best. And uh, yeah, just a quick shout out for that, for the Barca fans, you know, got to show face. Based on my betting history on the Bundesliga, Bayern are going nowhere. Listen, Lewandowski has been showing time and time again that when it comes to UCL and it comes to big opponent, even in the UCLs that they win, Lewandowski tends to struggle. So unless the entirety of the Bayern Munich squad shows out, I don't see Bayern Munich winning. Now, will they win against Villarreal? I can see them. I can definitely see that. I can definitely see Villarreal also give them a bit of struggle. I ultimately see them coming out of the leg. Now, I'll start off with the most interesting leg. City Atletico, without a doubt. Honestly, prior to any of these drawings, I said the worst opponent that I want to face is Atletico. Listen, give, give them to me in a final. I don't care. You know, final, you know, winner takes all. Loser goes home, whatever. But Atletico on a two-leg final, they just exhaust you in both home and away. They just, the way they play, as I said before, Diego Simeone does not play pretty. He plays physical. He'll sit back. He'll put nine to 10 defenders, you know, defending. He'll score one and that's it. You know, it's wraps. He'll defend till, till the end of the game. It's, it's just not pretty. And Guardiola or Xavi, I don't, I don't, you know what, at this point with Barca fans, I'm not sure whether to call him Xavi 1.0 and then Xavi 2.0. I'm, I'm not too sure. But no, besides that, look, Guardiola tends to, again, overthink it. You know, City is just another, they're baby blue PSG and PSG is Navy, PSG's navy blue. They're the same club, essentially, because they both tend to choke when it matters in the UCL. But aside from that, the winner, I mean, my heart wants to tell me Real Madrid, but Based on stats and just current form, Liverpool just seemed like the more dominant side. You know, they're catching up to City in the Premier League. And honestly, if I were to rank the favorites, I'd put Liverpool up there. And after that, Madrid. I'd see that as a final, Liverpool-Real Madrid final for sure. 
I don't know. I, I losing four zero against uh, Euro- Europa League contenders. I don't know if you can consider them in the final, but I mean, look, I'm I'm gonna say this. I know Real Madrid is gonna bounce back, but Eric, I just want you to remind me. You did say something important that Real Madrid doesn't tend to lose twice against the same opponent on Champions League. I don't know if that's a if that's something you were saying, or is that like a stat? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. They yeah. lost against Dortmund and UCL, and the next time that they faced them, they smoked them. Yeah, I, I think this is going to penalties, man. I don't know. Look, Chelsea actually has been in good form. Even with all the crazy things that are happening, they're still trying to find an owner for that team. But they're still playing, and I think they're playing. They're using that to play with a chip on their shoulders. But Benzema is going to be back. And to me, look, it's coming from a, from a Barca fan. Is probably top three top player in the world. I think even with the status that he has, he's still underrated uh, because I think that's how great he is. So being there back on the field, he's going to do well. But since it's always a tight match with Tuchel and Chelsea, I'm actually seeing this in penalties. And I just don't know who's going to be the better goalkeeper because Courtois is amazing. And Mendy, I don't know if he's back from injury, but he's also great as well. With the other matches, I am also scared because Atletico Madrid can play wonders, can do wonders against any team in the world. And one of the hardest things for Guardiola at times, it happened with Everton, it happened with smaller teams. They can't break them down. And they do play well. They do coordinate well their passing. They try to get players on shots off. They do play in a way where they're convincing but at the same time sometimes the finishing can be frustrating so they'll have two chances they have the first time in madrid i do see that if man city scores the first goal i'm expecting atletico madrid to fight back if they do try to fight back manchester city is going to run a train on them they're going to completely destroy so it's essential that they get that first goal as soon as possible if man city wants to win this leg And then uh, Liverpool-Benfica, I think Liverpool has been in great form as well. Luis Diaz has been nothing but phenomenal for that team. I think the spirits have just gone up and they seem like they can't lose except for that game against Inter. But they, they did have to play an aggressive Inter team and, and they could have also tied it and won it. But that's UCL football. Bayern Villarreal, though, look, I, I think people sleep on Villarreal. They are known to make certain games difficult for big teams and hey, my boy Pervis Estupiñan over there uh, he did a great game against Juventus I gotta support my boy too just Ecuadorian so I, I mean look eventually on paper Bayern should win this but sometimes bring these master classes or like wait where is this guy why did Arsenal let him go so I, I think they're closer games than we expect them to be perhaps maybe not the Benfica one but Benfica also sometimes plays like They're the best team in the world. So tough, tough matches. I do hope, just like Sid say, Manchester City, don't blow it up. PSG is not there anymore. So that's one less team I can support. But, hey, I still got the ball genius of Pep Guardiola. Uh, thanks for that, Christian. All right, before we get to our guest, Kip Keller, I mean, let me just throw to my boy Sid real quick. Just on a quick Europa League question, Barcelona has Frankfurt next, man. What do you think on, on that next matchup? And maybe what team do you not probably want to play? Because I'm saying Real, Red Bull, Leipzig, Atalanta, West Ham, Lyon, Rangers, Braga. So what do you think on that Frankfurt matchup? Um, I actually went to West Ham because we, we do well against English teams. But um, I think Barca is, is the favorite to win the race of trophy. And, you know, they're, they're, they're scoring four goals every game so I, i i think i think that they're in good shape and then they're gonna prove it <laughs> yeah i mean i i think against frankfurt is gonna be they're, they're gonna be a tough opponent uh they got my boy rafael santos Borre on their side and he's been doing pretty well with them but i think like like sid said i think the way xavi's got these boys playing i think they're gonna win the most important trophy in sports history <laughs> uh so they're gonna make a run for for this big trophy here Uh, who do I not want to face? Man, that's like these these are teams that like you you honestly like never really want to face. I'd rather face Real Madrid at the Bernabeu because we can easily beat them. <laughs> But like, you know what I mean? But if we're, if we're going if we're going to Leipzig, it might be a little tough. Uh, or if we're going to Atalanta, you know, Atalanta has a, they, they've, for, over the past few years, they've had a really good squad. My boys do want Zapata and Luis Muriel on there out of Colombia. So I respect them. So I, I think out of, out, of, out of the teams that I wouldn't want to face, it would either be Atalanta or, or West Ham just because of, of what they've been doing this season. 
I, I just have one quick question. If Barcelona doesn't win the Europa League, is this <laughs> is is it, we consider it a failure? Absolutely, it's a failure. One quick point, though. The, I'm sorry, Nico and Eric, no, no, but Frankfurt is honestly a very challenging team. Uh, yeah. had them in their group for the Europa League, and they actually came out on top. We got second place, and they tend to turn up against the bigger teams when they're counted out. Like they actually hand they whooped us at home, which is something that you don't usually see for Olympiacos. And I think that week before they had also, I think they have a result against Bayern this year, if memory serves me right. So they're actually a team that's, I think, the hardest matchup for Barca at this stage. So I think if they get past them, it should be an easy run to the final. And uh, I mean, look, Leipzig always tends to disappoint, Eric. I know you're shaking your finger, but that's the only other team that I thought would have a, a chance against them. Atalanta nah, or Leipzig? Look, look, I, I saw, again, another team that actually eliminated Olbiacos was Atalanta. So I've seen a lot of uh, Europa League action from these guys. And I don't think they're the same Atalanta that we've been fearing the last few years. Some of their biggest players uh, are, are still out. I think one of them due to personal reasons, depression and stuff. Uh, I think he was a captain. What is the guys from perfect? And uh, just another two random points. How funny would it be if Unai Emery, if he somehow gets the result against Bayern and wins a freaking Champions League after Arsenal fires him? And the second point, I know we've been talking about Benzema a lot and how Christian mentioned he's uh, maybe a top three striker in the world, but he's definitely the worst best friend in the world if you ask Valbuena because. Where he's over, you know, he, he got called guilty in that case now, officially. And that's my boy, <laughs> Nobiaco, so I got to show him love. I, th- I, th- I think, t- to Christian's point, too, I, I don't think he's a top, I think he's the best striker in the world, if we're being honest. I think he's he's the best number nine in the world at the moment, and the worst best friend. So he's both, he's he's number one in both categories. If Real Madrid without Benzema or Courtois, like, they're, they're, they're trash. They're, they're not that good, in my opinion, watching him play, like, without either one of them. They're, they're the only ones that keep saving them this season. That's true. One of the biggest things that a lot of, at least the 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 the, the coaches talk about, if you don't have a good goalkeeper or a good forward, don't expect to win any games. So, and you, you hit around the nail. The two best players in in Spain are them, Courtois and, yeah. and Benzema. So, I don't I don't know how they how they they sneaked out of that win against PSG because PSG just is they're they're a sorry team and Real Madrid obviously like they. They've had the history of, of being very good at the Champions League, but man, like the, the the annoying thing, man, is that if that were if that would have been Barcelona, Barcelona would have lost that game like five zero in the first game. That's the annoying part. And then Real Madrid only lost one zero, and then they turned it around three to one. And, and they, they, like out of the four halves of that game, Real Madrid played terrible three of them, and then they pulled out a freaking uh, a, a result at the end. Crazy stuff, man. Benzema. No. One of the best in the world. Unbelievable. I still can't believe that they made it through. That's why I wasn't expecting this result over the weekend. But yeah. like you said, Benzema has a lot to do with that. All right, guys. Well, gentlemen, thank you guys for all your insight. Let's get to our special guest, Kip Keller, defender for Austin FC, product of St. Louis University. We're in number 15 in the back line for Austin FC. And Kip Keller's coming up next. Let's go. All right, soccer fans. We got a special guest joining the show today. He's a product of St. Louis University, entering his first MLS season with Austin FC. He'll be wearing number 15 as a defender, and we're really excited to see him taking the pitch with Los Verdes. Let's please give a warm welcome to Mr. Kip Keller. Bravo, Bravo. Kip, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you so much to Austin for helping us make this happen. You know, Kip, first things first from all of us, you know, how are you as you're getting acclimated with the team? And just what are all the feelings and emotions as you're entering, you know, your first MLS season with Austin FC, a great club over there? Yeah. Well, first of all, I was, I had an interview with Josh and Claudio um, right before the draft. And afterwards I was telling my family and friends, I was like, I really hope I land in Austin. Uh, I was projected like one, two or three. So I was like, people keep saying like fall. I didn't fall. You know, no, it's just like, I'm just so grateful to land in Austin and obviously coming out here, getting games in and meeting the team. And I just feel so blessed to have coaches that like care so much about a rookie coming in and yeah, it's been great. So obviously looking forward to uh, this weekend against Cincinnati. 
Absolutely, Kev. No, thank you for that. And yeah, we definitely want to hear what have been your initial impressions from, you know, the players and all the coaching staff, Coach Josh Wolf. Yeah. And um, as a follow-up to that, Kip, I wanted to ask you, you know, what are some things that you, you feel like you learned in college that you developed in college that helped you make that big leap from college to MLS? Yeah, so going into college, uh, I went to St. Louis University and my club coach actually from like 15, 17 and 19 was Kevin Kalis and he's the coach at uh, SLU uh, where I went and I was a six, like uh, holding midfielder going in because I was a little bit smaller, but I think he, him and Anthony Pulis, um, he coaches at Miami FC now, um, were the ones that really were like, you're a center back, like you're uh, going to be a center back long term and we think you'll be able to play pro there. So first game against Notre Dame, I played six. And then after that, I was center back. So I think that just being able to play the six and being technical and uh, just transitioning to center back has helped me a lot and uh, definitely helped me progress as a player. That's awesome stuff, Kip. And it's no surprise then with the collegiate career that you had that you'd be selected fifth overall in this past Super Draft. But you also had the unique uh, part of having gained the Generation Adidas contract, which is no easy feat. And it's nothing to scoff at, quite literally. And I think you were quoted being saying that you're a natural winner uh, during a previous interview. And how much would you say that mindset helped you stand out amongst other rookies to earn such accolades like Defensive Player of the Year before uh, you got drafted and stuff? Yeah, I feel like it's funny. We, uh, I think we were 16-0-4 going into the lead eight. Best year like SLU has had in a long, long time. It was just weird. Like we didn't know what losing felt like. And I love just having that mentality, like just always wanting to win. And I think the leaders of that SLU group just helped me a lot as a captain. And we just, I don't know how to explain it, but I've always been a winner. And I'm glad to, uh, in a way, put SLU back on the map. So, yeah, I think I'm just competitive and even going to the combine, I just wanted to prove myself and show them what like a winner is. Um, and just I love just competing and everything and every aspect of life. I'm the youngest of uh, I have two older brothers, so I think that helped a lot as well. Oh, that's amazing, Kip. Now, you touched on it a little bit earlier, your college coach, Kevin Kalish. He had nothing but great things to say about you. He says that you have this warrior-like mentality. You're willing to put your body on the line for the team. And one of the things that stood out to us is that he mentioned you are an emotional leader. So I wanted to ask you, perhaps describe to us what that means and how is it displayed on the field? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm an emotional leader, so... I think I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. It's kind of the way I play too. Um, and he touched on it, like just how I'm a winner. I feel like you got to wear your heart on your sleeve. And as a leader, it helps other people be better as well. Uh, that's pretty much it. Great stuff, uh, Kip. I had to ask you just similar to, to Christian. You know, we looked up just some articles about you and we saw that Claudio Reina gave you some great praise, you know, pairing you to Tim Parker and Walker Zimmerman. You know, for anyone that hasn't seen you play, and I'm sure they will, I hope you get plenty of minutes uh, coming up. If you could just talk a little bit about your strengths on the field and just your style of play for anyone who hasn't seen you play yet. Yeah, I would say I'm a warrior. I uh, compete for everything. Once again, I'm a winner and I'm pretty athletic. So I think that helped me transition from college to the next level. Um, I always think you can be faster and stronger. And yeah, I love like, I love defending. Like, I love that aspect. And not a lot of people enjoy that. But, like, I, I don't like guys running past me, you know. So I embrace that side of it. And I, I also think playing in that sixth position uh, growing up has helped me technically um, to be good on the ball as well. So That's great. And, yeah, we actually, other players have talked about how influential it is to play different positions because at the end of the day, it's how versatile you can be and how much you can add to the team. So I think that's great insight. Kip, one of the things that we also want to touch on is uh, your teammate, Brad Stuber, mentioned that you have been able to absorb a lot of information during this short time with the team. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about what have you learned so far and how that has helped you to your advantage. Yeah, I mean, obviously coming in, I think we've had like six to seven weeks and obviously there's some similarities from SLU to Austin, um, but the way we want to play is a lot different uh, building out of the back. And uh, I think it helps to have guys like Brad um, and other leaders that just 
obviously it'll take time. Um, and Josh said it himself, but it's helped a lot. They've been so patient with me and they've taken the time. Like I went in after to see coaches and I send them videos all the time, just trying to learn more about how we want to play. So I just think they've helped me so much. And uh, yeah, I feel like I kind of know the system in a way now. So yeah, it's been good. So Kip, everyone seems to ask you where your strengths are on the field, seeing that it's going to be your first pro season and stuff. But I'm just personally a little more curious as to what makes Kip Keller tick off the field. What are some things that you made and that you might enjoy doing other than soccer to help clear your mind? Because I heard you mention you're somewhat of a golf fan, but I can't imagine you've had any time to hit the range this past preseason. So what are just some things you enjoy doing on your downtime? Yeah, I love hanging with my family. I actually have a twin sister that lives with me here. Uh, she moved out uh, with me. So she's doing online school out here. Uh, so it's nice just having her and stuff and someone to turn to. And then, I mean, there's nice restaurants here. So like going out to eat um, and good coffee. And I love coffee. I'm drinking it right now, if you can see. But yeah, and I do enjoy golf. Uh, we play best ball like me. Um, my dad and two brothers, um, and they're probably a little bit better because they have some time to do it now. So I got to probably get back on the range and start going again when I have time. But yeah, those are some things I enjoy. That's some good stuff. You got to show them some keepy up, see if they can keep up with you. You know, they got yeah. a lot of time on the field at a, at a range. Yeah. You got to see if they can do some keepy ups. But it's perfect segue for my next question, because I know it's probably hard to just single out one person. And who would you say? has helped acclimate most in your transition into the pro game. It doesn't necessarily have to be a player or a coach. I know you just mentioned your twin sister. So that's why I was like, that's yeah. interesting stuff. I would just say, I mean, I've told this to you guys already, but I just feel so blessed to have the coaches that I do. Like I was so blessed at SLU to have guys like Kevin Kalish, Kevin Stoll, like my assistant coaches there. And like coming in here, I didn't really know what to expect. It's my first year as a pro, first year in the MLS. And I don't know what to like, you know, what's good and bad really, I guess. But I just know for a fact, there's not many coaches uh, like the ones we have here. So I think they've helped me a lot um, take this next step. So I'm very grateful for them. Awesome stuff, Kip. We're wrapping it up soon. Just had to ask you, you know, in regards to, you know, you coming onto the team, just had to ask you, you know, what have been your initial conversations with coach Josh Wolf like? What have been some of the things that the team's done to kind of get you acclimated? Any conversations with captain Alex Ring? Just kind of what, what have been the main messages from co coach Josh Wolf in your first weeks of preseason as you're about to enter your first season? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to everyone, but I think Josh kind of just coming in, he would just be like, it's kind of what everyone's saying is just be open-minded and be ready to learn. Like some of these guys like Alex Ring have been in the league for a long time and have so much pro experience. So being able to go to them and asking questions has helped me a lot. And, and Josh also said, just be ready to take this next step. Like we'll be here for you for anything. Um, so if you have any more questions, feel free to come ask me, whether it's in training or after a game, some of the videos. So yeah, I mean, those are my, uh, that's probably it, you know. <laughs> Kip, I had one uh, last question. Well, first of all, you know, what are some of the opposition that you have analyzed already and who are you looking most to, to defend against? And yeah, any personal goals that you have for this season? Yeah, I mean, I have some guys, like friends in the league, so that's going to be fun to like go, go up against them. We had three GAs this year out of SLU. So hopefully when we travel there and whatever, I'll get to see them and maybe grab a bite. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, yeah, goals. I feel like I'm just, I just want to give it all I got and show the city and show the fans that um, I'm going to give a hundred percent every game and every training. And obviously I want to be rookie of the year. Obviously I want to be an all-star. Like that's always in the back of someone's mind, you know? So obviously just got to keep it going and one step at a time. Uh, everything's not going to be perfect, but just my head's down and I'm working hard. So that's all you can do right now. But yeah. Awesome stuff, Kip. Hey, Kip, we, we just want to take a quick fan question that came in from our Instagram DMs. <laughs> just wanted to ask you, Kip, you know, as a defender, I mean, it's obviously a physical role. You're taking hits all the time, bumping with other forwards all the time. I know you're still young, but taking care of your body is super important. So I just had to ask you, you know, what are going to be some things that you're going to be focusing on in regards to post-game or pre-game preparations as you're entering the season? 
I mean, we hear common themes of like a lot of players doing yoga, meditation, hot bath, contrast bath. Like just what are some things that you probably will be doing this season um, for, for, for the season? Well, I've already learned. I think in college, it's pretty much like uh, you get ready for training, you warm up and you go and then you get off and you go to class. Like it's a lot different. So I'm already trying to go in early and meet up with the trainers and they've been so helpful. Uh, take, I've taken a couple of knocks, so it's just been super helpful. They've given me so much like I take home like game ready. Um, it's kind of like an ice and like compression thing. So I'm doing that as much as I can. And then after training, we have a cold and hot tub. So I go in there every now and then to help my body recover. So those are some things I uh, do. Absolutely, Kip. Now, thank you for that. And we hear stretching is key. Stretching is number one, too. But hey, Kip, we just want to say thank you so much for being out with us. I mean, we're looking forward to seeing you out on that field. And, you know, we're cheering you on all the way from New York City, man. Definitely all the best this season and can't wait to see you out there. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. All right, guys, that was the interview with Kip Keller. I mean, Vas, you were on with me on that one. And Christian, let me get your thoughts. What do you guys think of Kip Keller? Thank you so much again, Kip Keller, for giving us some time to speak about your collegiate career and, you know, a lot more that we got to discuss. And I hope to see you on the golf range sometime. And Kip, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I mean, that guy is a warrior on the field, so it's always a pleasure to see players like that. And Austin FC is actually doing really, really good this season, and I just wish him the best. I wonder if he listened to uh, what we're talking about. I wonder if he's a Barca or Real Madrid fan. Well, I hope he's a Barca fan. Thank you so much for your time. All right, and we want to give a huge thank you to my boy Nico from all the way joining from Orlando, Florida, from the Friendly Foes podcast. Nico, thank you so much for joining us, man. Anything you want to say before we get out of here? Drop your handles too. whatever you want to say before you get out of here. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I, I love this stuff. I love the discussion. I love the back and forth. I love the banter. So definitely got to do it again at some point. Be sure to follow the Friendly Foes at Friendly Foes FC on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. So be, be on the lookout for, we're, we're dropping an episode as well on the Classico, so be on the lookout for that as well. Appreciate it, Nico. And to my boy, Sid, who I've known for so long, thank you so much for joining us today, man, for a Classico special. Anything you want to say before we get out of here, man? And good luck in the Europa League against Frankfurt. Thanks for having me, guys. I had a lot of fun tonight. You guys are doing great things for the Soccer Subs podcast. And um, I just wanted to say that Barcelona's playing so well, and yet one of our best players is hurt, Ansu Fati. Wait till he comes back. They're going to be even better. We're back, baby. We're back. Let him know. Yeah, and, you know, this comes from all of us. You know, a heartfelt welcome after match day 38. I think we should bring every Barcelona fan to the episode. You know, we just we celebrate all the winners of the leagues, you know, you got your Liverpool, you got PSG, obviously that's a Farmers League, Bundesliga, Farmers League, whatever, boring. Uh, we can also celebrate La Liga winners, whoever that may be, you know. Honestly, after the 4-0 win, I thought someone won the league. But um, no, look, Match Day 38, you guys are welcome to come. You know, we love to collaborate. But listen, to all our fans out there, Barcelona fans do exist. But no, we have World Cup qualifiers on a more serious note. I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait to see what teams qualify, what teams don't. It's looking to be a great one. Thank you all for listening. I want to thank Nico, Sid, Eric, Vaz. I mean, we made this episode for everybody who's able to listen, but it's nothing but fun. And it's always cool to talk soccer. And, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And yeah, thank you to Nico. Thank you to my boy, Sid. Thank you guys for an amazing episode 55, already halfway through our 50s. Give us a follow at Soccer Says Podcast on Instagram. Shoot us an email at Soccer Says Podcast at Gmail. We're actually taking a break next week for international qualifiers. So we'll see you in two weeks. We got some good content coming up your way, some good interviews. And check out our website, SoccerStubs.com, where you can find all our episodes and all our content there. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. Everyone take care. Have a good one.